0: Hello, and welcome back to the Arena podcast by Coffin Fellows, where we dive deep into the stories of some of the most fabled names in VC. I'm your producer, Nihar Nilakanti, and this podcast is hosted by Jeff Harbach, CEO of Coffin Fellows. Joining us in today's episode is Miriam Rivera, Managing Director of Ulu Ventures and a Coffin Fellow from Class 15. We can't wait to share her story with you, so let's get right to it. All right, welcome back to the Coffin Fellows Podcast. We are so excited today to have Miriam Rivera with us today. I'm going to give a quick background of Miriam because she has such an incredible um, history and experience. So Miriam is the co-founder and managing director of Ulu Ventures, a top seed stage venture fund in Silicon Valley focused on information technology startups. She is dedicated to increasing diversity in both entrepreneurial and investment communities. Prior to Ulu Ventures, Miriam was a vice president and deputy general counsel at Google which she joined in 2001 as the first commercial attorney. There she helped build and lead an award-winning global legal department. Her work to redesign and simplify contracts helped Google scale from $85 million to $10 billion in revenues in five years. Miriam is a co-founder, former co-president, and on the board of the Stanford Angels and Entrepreneurs, an open-source network of Stanford alumni investors and entrepreneurs. She's on the board of the Coffin Foundation, a national endowment dedicated to increasing opportunity for Americans through education and entrepreneurship, and of course, the Coffin Fellow's namesake. Miriam is a Coffin Fellow from Class 15. Miriam also serves on the Investment Committee of the Acumen Fund America, an impact investment fund serving the needs of low-income Americans. My goodness, Miriam, that is a, that is a heck of a biography. You have done so much.
1: As I said, when you get older, you start accumulating things.
0: <laughs> well, I tell you what, you have an impressive background, and I'm so excited to talk to you about it. Why don't you first just give us an idea of what you're doing today. Tell us a little bit about Ulu Ventures, what you're excited about, and that journey there.
1: So Ulu Ventures uh, is a seed stage firm based in Silicon Valley. Uh, Some of our special sauce is that we are a top performing firm and we have one of the most diverse portfolios of entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley. Um, I love that because I think I've always been a person who breaks stereotypes. I want to do that for other people. I want to pull people up from behind me. Um, want more women, want more people of color immigrants, um, underrepresented minorities to be able to have the kind of opportunities that I have had, and for them to give back to the community um, and help bring up others.
0: You certainly have broken the mold in so many of the things that you've done, Miriam, and really led the way you you're a you're a pioneer in many of the things that you've done one of which being your partner is uh, your husband, who also is a Coffin Fellow.
1: That's right. Um, Clint Corver, class 14, for those of you that don't know. Um, and Clint and I uh, are an unusual couple in many ways, right? Like we're uh, different on so many dimensions. We're different in terms of our race, um, linguistic background, uh, ethnic income levels, politics even, um, He'll tell you he's a civil libertarian, which I never even knew what it was until I came here. I'm like, oh, those are the people that just throw away their votes at every election. (laughs) Um, So uh, we've had a lot of fun um, together running Ulu Ventures, raising two girls, um, and really navigating difference um, in our relationship professionally and personally.
0: I bet. what. Tell me what some of those LP meetings were like when you walk in the, in the room and you're telling them, hey, we're going to build a venture firm and it's going to be my spouse and I. What was that like?
1: Uh, well, you know, what we used to do was just send it out first um, because then they might find reasons to not meet with us and we wouldn't have to waste the time if they wouldn't even consider. Um, and then secondly, when we went into the room, we always had disclosed that um, in our uh, materials beforehand. And some people would just literally say, there's no way we'd ever invest in a husband-wife team, period. You know, (laughs) so that was like, like, show me the door. Like, people told me that earlier. Um, Mm -hmm. That's kind of uh, some of the response. But people who really took the time to get to know us, took the time to understand our story, uh, we ended up with really tremendous LPs that include a university endowment, a college endowment, a sovereign wealth fund, um, several funds of funds. And so my sense is that, um, those who go beneath the surface will benefit tremendously from the opportunity of investing in this particular husband-wife team.
0: You know, I, I think it's an incredible story for you to share. And so now, as you think about Ulu, what are some of the what are some of the trends? What are some of the things that you're excited about? I'm certainly not asking you to tell us which of your investments is your favorite, but rather <laughs> because you know, because there are you know, no favorite.
1: Can't have a, a favorite company or a favorite entrepreneur. There- um, they are
0: all. They are all your favorites, right?
1: It's true, and I mean, and some of them uh, are definitely. Uh, the things that I'm most excited about are that our companies are really succeeding. Uh, we've had a tremendous quarter. The first quarter. We had about five companies raise over $230 million. And one thing I'm really proud to say is that every one of those companies had a founder who was either a woman, an immigrant, an uh, underrepresented minority, um, or a minority. So that is um, really tremendous. One of those uh, teams included a first-generation college graduate who is also Latino, which I am really Pleased and proud to say um, they raised forty million on a six hundred million dollar valuation. So awesome news from our entrepreneurs, and want to applaud them for what they're doing.
0: That's amazing work. Uh, we need more people focus exactly on this, and I love that you and, and Ulu Ventures are leading the way in this. How did you? How did you end up in venture capital? What, what's what were kind of some of the pivotal moments that made you go from where you were before? to where you are today being investor. I mean, I love this quote that uh, we got about you. It says, uh, this is a quote from you, I'm an inner city, Spanish speaking, low income, free lunch, first in her family to go to college girl. How did that individual uh, make her way into venture capital? What does that story look like?
1: Okay, well, I have to say there's a tremendous amount of hard work that went into that um, and also a tremendous amount of support from teachers. Um, friends, uh mentors over the years, obviously. Uh the I know women are supposedly like give too much credit away, so I won't do that um, because you can't get those kind of results without putting in the work and the effort and the longevity over time. Uh, but the thing I will say is that I've been blessed with um caring people in my life who have really sought to advance my education. So um, even from my elementary school days, I had teachers that were trying to help me get um, access to scholarships to go to high school. Um, And I went to private high school. Um, They helped me, you know, do the college applications, go to college. So those kinds of people were the foundation, if you will, of what I've been able to do. And then along the way in my career, you know, I've been able to work with inspiring people who gave me the chance, you know, it's like, um, I love how in Hamilton, he goes, I'm going to take my shot. And like, I had all the energy to try to take my shot. And most of the time, there were people who would allow me to do that. Um, And it hasn't always been the case. But um, to that extent, it's really made all the difference.
0: Tell us about during this journey that you've had and all the different things that you've done, I'd love to hear you know, so now we kind of transition a little bit more of Kaufmanesque speak. So we're going to go a little bit deeper. Tell us about a time where you took a big risk, maybe to follow a conviction that you had, maybe to to follow an investment, or maybe it was something at Google. It could be anywhere along your journey. But tell us about a big risk that you took where maybe others didn't believe in you, and tell us how that how that worked out.
1: So I will say that my life has been one of taking considered risk always. Uh, so what would be an example? I left home at the age of 14. I've been uh, providing for myself financially since that age. Uh, I, uh, when I went to Stanford Law School and Business School, I left um, the comfort of big companies like Brobeck, Flagrant & Harrison, a major law firm here at the time, and also Accenture to start a company. So uh, Clint and I were actually founders of a tech company in the uh, late 90s together, and that was our first experience working uh, together. Uh, I took risks in personal ways, too. I actually had my first child at that startup. Um, that risk was not rewarded in some ways. The board of directors decided they did not want a husband and wife team and probably a woman who had had a child. Um in the company. So I left that um, and I took the risk of reaching out to a person who became a great mentor. He was uh, the first general counsel I'd ever met who was first generation college and Latino. Um, Over the course of lunch, he offered me a job and I took it. (laughs) I didn't know him from Adam, but I figured if he accomplished what he had, I wanted to learn everything I could from him. And then Um, When we were, uh, when things went south in 2001, I had the foresight, I had the foresight to understand that I might be part of the layoffs that were happening at my company at the time. We had four rounds of layoffs. I was looking for a potential job and the jobs that I received offers for were Siebel Systems and Google. And I left enterprise software, which is what I'd done, and I took the risk of joining a startup that might or might not succeed. And that was another example of a life of considered risk.
0: What was it about Google at that time in 2001 that made you say, this is what I want to do? Were there there any one particular, two particular things?
1: Yes, there were odd things and simple things. So one thing was just that the internet had really change software really dramatically. So I had grown up in the days when, you know, you had uh, enterprise implementations and then you got to CD-ROMs and you were shipping CD-ROMs of software. And now it was moving onto this thing called the internet. And I thought, okay, this is is really the future of software and I'm going to take that chance. The other thing that was interesting about it was how cheap the company was. So when I was at Ariba beforehand, we had really luxe equipment and posh facilities, and we got into trouble in the 2001 bust. And that was part of the reason we were laying off people. So when I went to Google, we had sawhorse desks and yoga ball chairs and cheap phones that didn't even work that well. And I figured, good, this company is really frugal, and I want to work for a company that understands that you got to make money. And you got to try to use the money to grow the company organically, as opposed to you know buying nice desks or furniture and that sort of thing.
0: I love that. What an amazing perspective to have at the, in the early days of Google. I'd love to to double click Miriam on. So you you talked about some of the experiences you had and some of the risks that you took, which were many. And one of them that didn't work out for you, which was um, the board coming back and and asking you to to however that worked out, you moved on from that role. What were some of the things that, that you went through risks that worked out and maybe risks that didn't work out like that one that what I'm looking for is what did you learn from them that now applies to what you're doing today with Ulu or what you're doing as you mentor young entrepreneurs or uh, young people that were in the same shoes that are in the same shoes that you were in, you know, however many years ago?
1: So One of the things is a certain level of self-confidence and fortitude, if you will, that things are not always going to work your way um, and that you're going to be able to recover and that you can take risks and some of them will pay off, some of them won't. But if you're doing something that you really care to do, that's important to you, there's an intrinsic benefit in that activity that will sustain you regardless of the success or failure. And that's really one of the things that I think is so important for entrepreneurs because the reality is most of them are not going to succeed in a big way. Um, Everybody is not going to make the next Google. So I think that level of familiarity with the challenges that they have and the outcomes that they're likely to experience is something that helps me walk the journey that they're on with them.
0: That was so well said. Thank you for sharing that, Miriam. What I'd love to do now is let's let's go back in time even farther and help connect the dots because you you know those that know you and know you well uh, know that you are an incredibly grounded person with a re- very strong core and strong values. And I think the easy narrative here is to say, well, this is an a, an individual that came from a tough background and she she learned the things through tough experiences. But that's that that's too easy. That's the, the the journey is much more intricate than that. I'd love for you to shed, shed some light on us on on your journey for us, especially for those individuals that are thinking about and maybe in positions exactly the same way that you were in. I'd love for them to to benefit from your journey. So why don't you tell us a little bit about maybe where you're born, what you know, your parents, uh, and kind of the the formative experiences of your childhood that gave you this incredible core, the center of these values.
1: So one of the things that I want to say is, I'm sorry, I'm I'm going to actually be pretty real here. So um, excuse me. One of the things that um, I want to say to folks is I did not get here because I had a really um, stable and loving family um, without any issues. And, you know, that unconditional love that you hear about is... Um, the foundation on which um, people typically think a life like mine is built. Um, I grew up in a family with a lot of issues, um, domestic violence, um, intergenerational history of abuse, sexual abuse. Um, It was not an easy place to grow up. I grew up in inner city Chicago. I grew up poor. I grew up with people having very low expectations of a person like myself because of all the things that you said. I was first generation. I spoke Spanish at home. Um, I went to head start and speak English. Um, and you know, statistically, I should not have amounted to what I have become. But the thing that I think made the difference was both being able to hold on to the good In all of my life, including in my family, Um, you know, I recognize and have compassion for the lives my parents led. And that has made me, I think, stronger because I recognize that anyone put into tremendous challenge may break. And that's just reality. The other thing I credit is faith. And that is something a lot of people in Silicon Valley, you know, I I get that story about like, oh, you know, the opiate of the people, um, somehow intelligent people um, shouldn't be people of faith. Um, But for me, I think the ability to connect with a spiritual foundation that said, each of us has some element of worth, each of us has some element of godliness within us um that i think made all the difference
0: amazing you mentioned two things uh holding on to the good and your faith the question that i ask myself when i hear your story is where do you find your strength where did you find it as you were young and where do you find it today and i'm guessing it's it's those two things but i'd like to ask you in a fresh way where where do you find your strength when when things have been hard and when they can you know All of us, we go through struggles, we go through challenges. Where do you find your strength?
1: I would say I find my strength through faith, through friendship, uh, through learning. I build a foundation of support for myself very consciously. So for example, over the last 20 plus years, I've had a group of women friends that meets once a month for dinner. Um, We have... Built that into our lives, despite children, marriage, divorces, uh, work, um, starting businesses, starting Ulu, starting working at Google. So one is build building support very consciously. Practices, um, you know, I have done. I've I attended church regularly. I try to do yoga, exercise, spend time outdoors. A lot of those things that you know, are important to do, but really they give you the power and the energy to do the things you need to do, including um, when you have hard times.
0: That's great. Thank you. Um, what I'd love to get is a story from you around your, you know, kind of the journey up to this point of your career. Are, are there any formative experiences that, that kind of make you go, wow, that's something that really changed the person that I am or that, Added to my as you said, your learning um, what what were some of the formative experiences maybe encapsulated in a story that you could share with us that uh, that really tell the tell the story tell the journey of
1: Miriam Rivera I came out. Um, in college, at a time when there really weren't a lot of people like me, and and frankly, it feels like I'm actually getting into places where there's even fewer people like me. Um, as I get into venture capital, I've actually never been in an industry that was more male dominated. And I thought being an attorney and being a deal maker at kind of the level that I had been at Google was. Uh, pretty much as low as you could go. Um, Then I found venture capital. Um, So something about me is uh, drawn to uh, experiences where I am intrigued um, by something. And I've always pursued the things that intrigue me, um, are interesting, are intellectually challenging. Uh, And I've always found that There's learning that you can do, regardless of whether people are like you or not, that is going to benefit you. Um, And some of the most important learning is not the blocking and tackling of a profession, but often the how you live your life within a profession. So, for example, I had an attorney that I worked with at Brobeck, Flager & Harrison, Tom Kellerman. Uh, He's still an attorney um, here in Silicon Valley. He was in his 40s and developed pancreatic cancer while I was his associate. And the guy would come to work and he would get just like baskets and flowers and, you know, people in the community um, from opposing counsel within the firm, the associates, we were all doing things to try to help ease his situation. I, I remember making um, tapes of my favorite jazz music, um, which included like Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong music. And for him, you know, that was a real discovery. Um, what I learned from him was that you have to love what you're doing. <laughs> you know, there has to be something that fuels you in the work that you do, because even when he was ill, And really potentially on the verge of death, he loved what he did enough to be there for us and for me to be able to learn not just securities law and corporate law and business law, but how important it is to love the work you do and to behave towards people in a way that builds relationships so that throughout the industry, people who he had worked with were extending their care to him at a moment when he needed it most.
0: You're doing some incredible work with Ulu, but you're also very passionate about uh, lots of different things and wanting to make a positive dent in the universe. We talk about in Coffin Fellows that our purpose here is to make a positive dent in the universe. How do you see yourself uh, making a positive dent in the universe, Miriam? What are some of the things that you're really passionate about? And this can include Ulu.
1: Yep. Yeah, and I'm uh, in fact I'll focus on Ulu in this question because I feel like I've kind of talked more broadly. Uh, so in terms of Ulu, how do I think I'm making a dent in the world? There are a couple of things. Um, one of which is I believe that using more objective measures in decision making actually helps create um, better results, more diversity, and more profitable companies. So foundationally, you know, one of the things that we do at ULU is we use decisions, we use data to make decisions. And that I think is making a difference in terms of who we fund, how successful the companies are that we fund, what our follow-on rates are, what our um, companies achieve in terms of follow-on investments, in terms of uh, revenue generation, et cetera. The, The other thing that I think will happen from the focus around data is that more diverse people will be part of teams and we will build more diverse companies. For me, that's important because I grew up in this industry, tech, being the only <laughs> Often, right? Like I'm probably the only Puerto Rican I know who's in venture capital. I'm the only um, Puerto Rican that I knew um, who was running a major U.S. legal department. Um, And so what I'm hoping is that we can uh, change this, that we can create change because there's so many talented people who have not been given, I think, their shot. And to the extent I can help do that, for many people, there are many people out there who haven't been given their shot. To the extent that I can help others um, to be given a level playing field so that they can show what they've got, that's how I want to make a dent.
0: Amen. 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 Can you tell us, uh, Miriam? So you're a Coffin Fellow, class fifteen. Where does Coffin Fellows fall in your in your narrative? How has it helped to shape you? What were some of the things that you, you know, tell us a little bit about what Coffin Fellows meant to you or means to you?
1: So Kaufman Fellows, thank God for Kaufman Fellows. Uh, I had no idea that venture capital was going to be probably the hardest business i where i've ever worked the fellows have given me a community that has shared values around entrepreneurship and what a difference it can make in the lives of people not just here and not just in silicon valley but around the world and not just for the mainstream but for all people <laughs> and that has really become one of my great missions, you know, in terms of apart from education, entrepreneurship, as a way to unleash human potential, um, that's my mission. And Kauffman Fellows supports that mission, helps bring people into the work of entrepreneurship globally and gives us a place where people who see it, not just as about making money, which is awesome. I love making money and I love making money for our LPs who are you know, great institutions, but it's about um, creating a difference in the world. And it's about really unleashing human energy to create things that need to be created. And that's the community I want to be a part of.
0: Very well said, Miriam. Two more questions for you. One is, as I as I hear your journey, I mean, gosh, just in this podcast, I've already known you, and i but yet I've learned so much about you just in this time. What would you say uh, if if you were able to go back in time? What would you say to the younger Miriam? Pick a point in time. It could be the the fourteen year old Miriam where when you you know left home. Uh, it could be the twenty whatever Miriam that went to school. Uh, And what I want you to do is have a lens through this, not only that you're talking to the younger Miriam, but also that you're talking to every one of the younger Miriams out there. What would you say to them?
1: It's so interesting because uh, I would I would tell people they're okay that they're going to be okay and not to stress so much. <laughs> um, I think a lot of us spend so much time striving and wondering if we're going to ever achieve our goals. Or, And I think it's really sometimes harmful. You know, when I think about like the college scandal recently and, you know, parents basically telling your kids, you're not enough. You're not enough unless you go to this school or you achieve this or you achieve that. Um, It's one of the saddest things that I can imagine a parent telling or demonstrating to their kid that they're really not enough. If anything, I'd go completely the opposite direction and say, you're enough. And it's from that place of enough that you will be able to do great things.
0: Oh, man, you're reminding me why I love Coffin Fellows and why I love these podcasts, Miriam. Last question for you. If, if you had a genie in a bottle and you had three wishes, we'll just give you one wish. What would your one wish be for, for humanity, for the world, for you? You get one wish. What would that wish be? Oh,
1: God. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, <laughs> you,
0: you missed it. It's supposed to be, I would wish for more wishes. That's what your wish is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's a smart one, I guess. Um it's so funny. Um, you know, it's like the world peace thing. Um, like, this is a little uh, harder for me. Um, cause it is, I'm sorry. I'm going to say it, like the thing, obviously what are the things that I would want the most? And it, it, it's a level of peace within myself and a level of peace in the world. Right. I mean, it's, I'd like to be, um, more at peace with myself and easier to deal with (laughs) you know like I feel like I'm still striving sometimes uh I don't know this one's not going to be a good question for me because I feel like it's it's a little too um too big for me.
0: Miriam you're incredible in the work that you've done you've you've given us so much to be grateful for and so much to so much to be inspired by uh it's just an incredible opportunity to, to have you as a friend and have you as someone As a collaborator in the venture industry, working with entrepreneurs, thank you so much for taking the time with us today and also for the work that you're doing uh, with Hulu Ventures. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this week's episode of the Arena Podcast. As always, you can get notified of the latest release by subscribing to our newsletter found in the description of this episode or by visiting fellows.org. That's all for now. We'll catch you in the arena next week.